Hi, we're Shannon and Jerry Arner. And our dog, Betty White. Your hosts of the Arner Adventures podcast. Could we have named it something more creative? Probably. But it's the name of our blog. It's our last name. We're on an adventure. Yada, yada, yada. After running our own business, working 24-7. And don't forget a mental breakdown in between. We made a lifestyle change and decided to make the most out of life. We sold our house, most of our belongings, downsized, and moved to the coast. We live life minimally, but fully. We live each day as an adventure. This show will help you learn how to live life more fully, with more intention, by experiencing more, and with less stuff. We'll talk about our own experiences, interview others who have much to share by creating a spark in our lives. Some days we'll share real life ongoings of what we're going through and others will talk about our favorite flavor of waffle. Come join our adventure. It's It's the the Arner Adventures Adventures Podcast. Hello everyone, I'm Shannon. And I'm Jerry. Betty White is snuggled here with us and we are back for episode 37 of the Arner Adventures podcast. Today we have a Spark in Our Lives episode who is just a gem, someone whose story is just so heartwarming and we know this is going to resonate with so many of you. But before we get to him, let's get to our review of the week. Today's review comes from Addie Fine. Addie says, this podcast is fun and brings meaning. That's what life is all about. Each episode is worth my time, whether it be useful information about how to experience life to the fullest or listening to their guests' interesting stories about how they have gone after their own fulfilling life. Each episode makes me want to have my own new adventures, and that is worth listening to. Oh, wow. That's such a nice um, sentiment there, Addie. That is really sweet. That is. It's just the the kindest, and the fact that we're worth listening to is always (laughs) a good thing. Uh And I couldn't agree more that our our guest episodes are really my favorite. Oh, yeah, indeed. And if you all would like to go warm our hearts like Addie did, and why wouldn't you folks, please head over to lovethepodcast.com slash Ventures and give us a five-star reviewer rating. It means so much and helps serves us up to other people who may be interested in content like ours. So we really appreciate it. We really do. And today's episode is really special for a plethora of reasons. First, our guest is just the nicest guy. You're going to absolutely love him. His name is Tom Rose. Our episode is about grief, but before you say, oh goodness, this is going to be a downer, it's not. You know, Arner Adventures really started, of course, because of our downsizing journey, but that journey started because of our burnout and grief and what we were going through. And one day we'll go into that deeper, but this was just so special. Tom's story is special. And I think it's just one of the most treasured conversations on the podcast. Well, let's go ahead and get to the conversation with Tom. Yep. Let's just go and get to it. Well, guys, this show is so special. And I know that we talked a little bit about our guest, but I just want to give him an official welcome. So our guest today is Tom Rose, and Tom is an author, public speaker, advocate, and cook. Tom and his wife, Joyce, co-authored two books, Cooking Together Chinese Style and Cooking Together Quick and Easy. They also hosted a cooking segment on their local Fox TV affiliate for 13 years. When his wife, Joyce, passed away from breast cancer in August of 2019, he began writing his story of his grief journey. And that story became his most recent book, Balloon in a Box, a book for anyone who is grieving. It's not only just a beautiful book about love, but it's also a book following Tom through his journey of grief as he and others share memories, you know, good and bad. Their experiences are going to help you cope with your own grief. 
and you can learn how to control the balloon in your box, which she's going to tell us about, and move forward in life with your loved one, not without them. So Tom, I am so honored that you're here. I know I've told you um, how much this means to me out off of the show, you know, how special this is about, you know, grief and coping with grief and what it means to honor adventures. But thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I, I, I loved, loved, loved the book. It's so heartwarming. And I know we're going to talk about it and what a great, not only resource it is, but it's just a really great story. So are you in Indiana right now? Yes. Uh -huh. Go see okay. Indiana. It's uh, looking out the window. It's uh, 74 degrees, uh, blue sky and little puffy white clouds going by. So <laughs> little breeze. So just a yeah. beautiful day. It's very similar in North Carolina right now. We, we actually got a break in the heat. So it's it's been in like in the 90s. So. Yes, that's great with us too. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is great to have it this way. Yeah. So have you lived in Indiana your whole life? Is that where, where you're from? Yes. I was born in Peru, Indiana, which is a little south of here. Moved here when I was in the seventh grade. Been in Goshen my whole life. So You and I have spoken about this a little bit. And our audience knows, well, a lot of our audience knows and may not know that Arner Adventures, our blog, our whole journey was started because of grief. In the span of, you know, a couple of years, we had a lot of losses. For me, I, I lost my dog, Pharrell, and he was, you know, my child. Of course, it was, it was devastating. And I didn't feel as though I had a lot of people who supported me. I didn't, I didn't feel like anyone understood when you go through any loss, you know, pet, parent, you know, uh, spouse, anyone, job, job, yeah, any, anything, anyone, it's, it's very lonely. And I think what I hear most common is from, from anyone is that they, people always say, how is it that I'm going through this? And the world just continues to go on. Like they don't, they don't understand. And I'm like, yeah, I completely, I completely get that part of it. And so outside of that, I just remember feeling like I couldn't, I couldn't share because I felt like no one understood and I was in this bubble. And so I started blogging and started writing about it. So I completely get the part about you starting to write. So I was wondering if you could, you know, give us a little bit of background about about the start of the book, if, you, if okay. you don't mind sharing that part. No, no. Uh, well, first of all, my wife, <clears throat> we did the cooking thing for 13 years, which was great to be do that kind of a thing together. Yeah. Uh, she was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2004, had a mastectomy again in 2005 and had a mastectomy. Uh, that's when we stopped doing the TV. Uh, and then she was great. Everything was good until 2017. And the cancer came back in the chest wall. Uh, they told her she had four to six months. Well, being a strong person and not ready to give up, she lived two years. Uh, I, I think my grief probably started. Well, my grief started when the doctor said you've got four to six months, uh, and so people have said to me, "Well, uh, make it a little easier, like you knew that this was going to happen." And no, <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, you knew, we knew the inevitable was going to happen, but when it happened, it was devastating to me. I yeah. tell people, it's like, uh, people say, well, how do you feel? And I said, well, I'll tell you what, you lay there on the floor and let me kick you in the chest, right in the middle of the chest. And that's the way it feels. There is truly heartache because that's what you feel. It's mm -hmm. different for everyone. I understand that. You know, and I think I, I said that in the book, it's different for everybody. There's some things that are the same and some things are different. Uh, I don't. 
I, I, what people coming to the funeral home and saying some, some things they say to you a little bit, you know, uh, but I don't say to somebody, I understand anymore. Right. I understand because I've been there. Well, that's the thing I tell people. Don't say you understand if you haven't been there because you mm-hmm. don't. I thought I did. I thought mm-hmm. I understood. I didn't understand. Uh, I did learn. I learned something and, and you're doing it. Uh, there, someone said there are three things a griever needs. That's number one, to find the words, to say the words aloud, which I'm doing, and know that they're hurt. Mm-hmm. If somebody's grieving, don't try to fix it. You can't fix it. Just listen. That's all they want. They just need someone to listen to what they have to say. Let, let them let it all out. Let them cry. Let them laugh. Let them do whatever. Just let them do it. Uh, families sometimes create problems when a loss of a family loss, like a, like my spouse, my family was great. They didn't push me one way or the other. They listened to me. They loved me. They looked over me, but they didn't push me to do things. They didn't criticize and say, oh, don't do that. Or you got to do this. They let me live my life and they let me find my own way through it, which is what you have to do. So, right. You know, I, but uh, my th- my thing started with the book. A friend, a friend called me and said, uh, "How are you doing?" And I said, "Uh, you know." He said, "Well, somebody told me it's uh, if you write a journal, it helps." So I get up in every morning because of our business, sat down with the computer. So I just opened up a file and started typing sentences and paragraphs how I felt. I did the same thing in the evening when I went to bed. Uh, he called me again. He's a do- he's a doctor in Florida. Um, he called and said, "How are you doing with the journal?" And I said, "Oh, I think I got a whole bunch of stuff, you know." He said, send it to me. I said, well, it's just not even sentences. He said, send it to me. So I sent it to him. And he called me back right away. And he said, I just talked to my son who's taking over his practice, who has taken over his practice. And he said, we would like you to write a paper on your thoughts about, you know, losing a spouse and grieving so we can give it to our patients. I said, oh, I can do that. So I did it, sent it to him. He called me back. He said, you got to write a book. So right. I wrote a book. <laughs> and right. I'm totally shocked and surprised about all the things that have happened with it. But that, right. That was, it. was in your head that it, it's a book. Did you find it to be more pressure or was it still like, okay, yeah, I'm still getting my thoughts out. Did you still treat it the same way? I think so. I, the, the interesting thing to me was I've never been a writer. Oh, we did the cookbooks, but cookbooks are easy. You take the recipe and you say, we're going to put it in. We're not going to put it in, put a little something around it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but once I started, I did a little outline. Uh, I went to parochial school and, you know, you learn to diagram sentences and do outlines. That's the yeah. biggest thing you can learn how to do, you know, <laughs> Roman numeral number one, capital A, little, you know. Uh, so I kind of did an outline of where I wanted to go, you know, with it. And that, that was pretty much it. I just stuck, tried to stick within that outline. Once I started my fingers going, uh, it kind of flowed. I, I didn't have any I didn't have any too many blocks. I had to go back and change things. I wrote things and went back and changed them. But it seemed like I'd do it at night, basically. And I'd have to stop myself at midnight or 1230 and say, go to bed because you're not going to yeah. be worth anything tomorrow. But I could have kept going. Once I started, I could have just kept going. So. We wanted to take a pause for a second to tell you once again about how much we love Sugar Wish. If you're a regular listener, Sugar Wish isn't new to you. You already know how much we adore the fact that we count on Sugar Wish to send gifts to people. Why? 
because it's easy. Yes. It's a time saver. Yes. You know the recipient is going to love it because they choose what they want. That's right. And it's not a gift that's going to take up space because it's edible. Yes. What's not to love? You forgot something. What's that? You save money because we have a code to share with our listeners. Oh my gosh, that's right. Use code Betty White. That's all caps, one word, Betty White, to save $7 off your gift to someone. We also have the link in the show notes. Yep. Whether you're gifting someone candy, snacks, tea, coffee, wine, or some dog treats to one lucky pup, that code works to save. Sugarwish always saves the day. Right. I know I mentioned that it's a it's a resource and I, I use that because and I know you and I have talked about this that when I was grieving, I just I, I just remember just trying to seek and I don't know if I I'm using the word correctly. I just wanted a fit. I was like, I, I need a band-aid, I need some kind of a resource that's gonna give me answers. I want something that's going to make me feel better. And I just remember looking for self-help books. I remember looking for anything I could read and get my hands on that was going to make me feel better. And anything I read was so clinical and so just high level did not make me feel better on any emotional level. It just made me feel like this person does not get this. This person has definitely not been through what I've been through. I I call it college professorish. Okay. The college professor stood way above you and he looked out at you and he knew everything and you knew nothing. And he's yeah. going to tell you that was what yeah. I got. The same thing, the clinical. Uh, and you knew you knew by reading some of the stuff that they number one, the first one said, well, you'll get over it. It'll take a long time. You're never going to get over it. I've talked to people to do the book 25, 30 years. You know, uh, a gal the other day said, uh, yeah, it's been 30 years. And, you know, once a week, she said, I cry. I have a little tear come down. I think of something, something happens. Uh, mm-hmm. So you don't. It, it doesn't go away. It just changes. Right. And 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 you have to learn to. Con- I was afraid. I was afraid to move forward, because I thought if I moved forward, that meant I lost her. Mm-hmm. So what I had to learn to do was move forward and take her with me, take right. those memories and all those things with me into you know. Uh, I've talked to several people. Uh, Number one, I lost a spouse, and that's really bad. Mm-hmm. It's tough. I've talked to a lot of people that lost spouses, and it's it's rough. It's a rough go. I cannot. I mean, and I can understand somebody losing a spouse. I can understand how they feel. I cannot understand how somebody who has lost a child feels. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that would be like, mm-hmm. especially a young child. I got a, a lady told me this story about losing a child in a fire. Mm-hmm. You know, standing in the front yard watching Alice burn down with a child. I, that's beyond me to try. I could not tell that lady, hey, I understand because right. I don't, I do not understand that. Right. So, uh, and that's what, you know, going through, like I say, just learning then to say, okay, I can move forward without, with her, not without her. Right. Uh, I could have a new life. I mean, it has to be a new life because we're talking, well, we would have been married 60 years last week. After 60 years, you know, of your life has been, so it's going to be a new life right. uh, when you go forward. Uh, and surprising, surprising to me, uh, and my son can probably, he's back there, he can probably confirm this. I changed. I'm not the same person I was four years ago. Yeah. I'm better or worse, I don't know. I'm just different. I say that. Uh, yeah. I'm probably better because I understand. I feel a little more than I ever did. Yeah. <clears throat> 
I'm not as selfish. Everybody's selfish. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's nothing, nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying I'm not, I, you know, I th think more about people. Uh, I've learned more about people by maybe listening a little more than just mm -hmm. going away out and moving. So those are the kind of changes I think I went through. And it's, and it's from the loss and it's from the grief and it's from having to learn to, to move on. Yeah. And you talk about that in the book a lot and can't remember exactly how, the way you describe it, but you said that God broke your heart to. Bishop, Bishop Sheen said that sometimes God has to break your heart to get into your heart. Yeah. And yeah. that, that happened to me. I think that's the truth. I think that's true. Uh, he broke my heart and yeah. I, I was born and raised a Catholic. Mm -hmm. I was at oh I went to parochial school. Uh, I was an altar boy. Uh, you know, I did all the Catholic things, and I was still a Catholic. And uh, I was I was a you know, okay Catholic. You know, uh, yeah. my wife was a convert. She was so much better Catholic than I was. <laughs> um, but I think you know. But I think when I lost her, I kind of found some of that Catholicism, some of that religion, some of that Christianity that I had. I didn't lose it. I just put it back in the background someplace and, and wasn't living it anymore. I was, there were too many other things going on that I, I couldn't bring that forward and live it. So I think, yeah, I'm a better Christian, a better Catholic now than I was four years ago again. When Joyce passed away, did you, and I'm, I'm asking this from a, actually, this wasn't even planned. I'm just sitting here thinking about it myself. Were you, were you angry at God? Did you question God? Did you go through that or, or did you just automatically get closer? To God? No. Yes and no. <laughs> um, a lot of those clinical people give you a list of all the things you're going to go through with grief. Yeah. And and you do, but you don't go through them necessarily in the order they give them to you. Yeah. Uh, it was probably a couple months later. Uh, you're you're looking in my bedroom behind me. Okay. My <laughs> office is now in my bedroom. Yeah. Uh, I got up one morning, and I was angry. I was so angry. And there's a big chair right outside this door over here. And I walked out and I kicked it. And I yelled at God and I yelled at Joyce. Yeah. Why, God, did you take her? Joyce, why did you leave me? Yeah. And then the rest of the day, I went about thinking, hey, little Tom, you, you yelled at Joyce. <laughs> you yelled at God. Joyce is <laughs> richer. She, you know, and you yelled at God. And so then that night, I sat there on the edge of the bed going, hey, guys, now, hey, God, hey, Joyce. Uh, I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. Yeah. But then for two days, three days, my leg hurt where I kicked the chair <laughs> to remind me that I got angry. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you, right. go, you go through all those things. I think the thing that I avoided that some people, I don't think I got the depression. I don't think I got that far. I think I was able to grab a hold of myself before mm. I got before that. And I think that's important for people who are grieving to be careful. Yeah. Grab a hold of themselves before they get that. Because once they get depression, then it's really tough. Then, yeah. then they need that outside help and then they need the doctors and then they need all the people that try to try to help them fix it. Uh, yeah. So I think that's a, that's a danger. I can see how it can happen. Uh, yeah. Uh, there are so many things going on that, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it becomes confusing for you. Uh, you're lonely. Uh, you know, you're angry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you bring up a good topic. I, uh, you know, your your book, I feel like I say this about so many things in life, especially when I meet people. I always say, oh, I wish I would have met you back then or I wish I would have known about your book then or whatever. In your book, I wish I would have known then. But, you know, it, 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 everything happens, I guess, when it needs to. But your book, for me, still, 
you know, I feel like fills, fills a hole, a gap that I still need that I still work on every day. And I think it's, it's such a good numbering it up again, resource for those who are grieving. And I know that for, for those who are suffering and have trying times in, in our, our lives, we tend to become somewhat experts in subjects that we don't want to be experts in. Exactly. And, <laughs> and I think that you definitely are an expert. I don't know if I want to say an expert in grief, maybe, but I think that you are a grief, a, 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 an expert in helping people through grief. And when you just said that how you were able to not get down to that part of depression, I think that probably, and I'm not an expert at all. I'm only looking at it from the outside thinking, I think what probably makes you someone better to help others like me, like others who maybe did get that low is that is, I think that is what makes you, and we haven't talked about this yet. You speak, you go to groups, you go and talk to people who are suffering with grief and, you know, people who have lost. And I wanted to talk about, I want to, because I definitely want you to bring up the story about how you went to the, if it's okay to talk about the sure. correctional facility, sure. but people in all aspects of different kinds of grief. And I think that's what makes you so great at it is that you, I don't know, maybe you're just able to, do you think it's because you have different, do you think it's coping skills? Do you think, what do you think it is? I'm a big mouth. Okay. I talk a lot. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, and, and all of this gave me something to talk about. Yeah. Um, but, but the thing we all have to understand is, is that grief is love without love you wouldn't have grief without grief you wouldn't have love my son sent that to me a little thing he found on the facebook one night i was i was uh, doing the sorry bit for myself on facebook and he said something <laughs> back that you know so so basically said that type of thing uh, so once you understand that you're grieving because you loved see i looked i, I looked when I started the book, I searched for grief, such an ugly word. I mean, it just sounds ugly. So I, I thought there's got to be a better word. So I started looking. I went to the dictionary, thesaurus, I get the whole thing. There isn't. I checked, I found one thing. I found that in the Bible, they list seven types of love. And one of them is called pragma. And pragma is continuing love. Um, and I, so I tell people when we talk, I say, please, 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 couples particularly couples. Tell your mate you love them. Don't go through this thing of all of a sudden the two of you know you love each other, so you don't have to say it. Say it. I, I didn't say it enough. I wish I'd have said it more. Did say it, but didn't say it. Uh, but so pregnancy is continuing love, this growing love. When I was, when I fell in love <laughs> with her, uh, I thought that was the, oh, I thought this is it. This is love. Man, we got married. I thought, no, this is it. This is really love. <laughs> Nah. Had 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 our child. I mean, look at I'm holding this little thing, you know. I'm going, hey, this is really love. No, <laughs> no. He grew up. He gets married. He has a child, a granddaughter, and I see her, and I'm going to her wedding. I'm going now. This is it. No, it just keeps growing. Yeah. And and what happens is, and you know this, you're, you're married, your husband. So your husband leaves his dirty clothes on the bathroom floor. So you're you're angry with him for that. So that interrupts your growing love for him. Okay, <laughs> uh, so am I right? <laughs> okay. So now Joyce is not here. 
so that we don't have that interruption between. So I can get up every morning and I can, I can let my love for her grow all day. She's not going to make me mad by doing something and I'm not going to make her mad by doing something, you know, yeah. so I can continue to love. And it does continue to grow. I, I firmly believe that. I think I probably love her more today than I did five years ago and 10 years ago. It just keeps growing. So I oh. think when people, when I, people understand, maybe they don't understand that's what's happening to them, but that's what's happening. And that's right. what makes that, what, that's what affects your grief as it goes along. The, oh. more you, the more you love, the more that grief is there, but then the love is beautiful too. So you want that. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a couple of things, couple, two or three things have happened along here that yeah. I never thought about. Uh, I thought a couple of the churches and some of my priest friends said, you need to come to our church and we want to buy your book and we want to give it. We want you to come talk to the people that are grieving. I said, sure, I do that. I talked to a Bible study group, you know, the ladies study grief in the Bible. And then we just talked. Uh, I got a call from this lady and she said, I'm with the JCAP. I can't remember what it means. But anyway, her job is to work with the drug rehabilitation people in, in the jail. They're there. They're they're in a ward. They don't leave. They're there for six months or eight months or whatever. And I said, uh, first of all, I said, all right, did you know who you called? <laughs> you call the wrong person? Uh, she said, no. She said, uh, uh, I understand. I said, uh, well, I said, if you really want me, I, uh, yeah, I'd be happy to do it. So I went down and talked to her first, and then I went back. Now, I did. I got, I, so I, do, I, I get all my notes. This is what I'm going to talk to you about. Got this nice paper. And I go there and there are 12 of them and they're sitting at a long table in their ward. They all live together in the same room, bunks, and uh, they got their own restroom and showers and a whole bit and game tables and all that stuff. So anyway, I walk in and I set my notes down and I looked at them. I thought, those notes are not what these guys want to hear. That's not what we're going to talk about. So I just started in much like we're talking now. And it was an hour. And at the end of an hour, well, by about 45 minutes, I said, okay, guys, any questions? Because I thought I'll go there and these guys are going to sit and look at the ceiling. And, and you know, why, why am I sitting here listening to this idiot, you know? But they're all very attentive. I'm looking at them and they're all glued on what I'm saying. And I thought, am I this smart? <laughs> I don't think so. But I learned was that most of the people on drugs, drug addicts, are there because of grief. Something happened in their life that caused them. I mean, a loss of a job, a loss of a spouse, a loss of a friend, parents, whatever. Uh, and they asked real intelligent questions. At the end, all 12 of them came up and shook my hand. Eight of them put their arm around me and gave me a big hug. Mm. And so I walked out of a place and I walked out to my car in the parking lot. Now it's real hot. You know, it was a 90 degree day. So I whew, start the car and turn the air conditioning, open the windows. And I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking about this. I Honestly, tears are coming down my face. I'm thinking these guys affected me more than I affected them. I look over and there's some lady getting in her car and she's looking at me. I went, hi, you know, <laughs> uh, but that, that one, that one thing with them, in fact, I'm doing two or three more. In fact, what's happened is I did this. They all got a book. Now they're reading the book. I get to go back and they're supposed to ask me questions after reading the book. I have one other one that kind of surprised me. I mean, my book's about grief. Yeah. So I get this phone call. I answer the phone. This young man says, Mr. Rose, my name is so-and-so. I said, yes. He said, uh, my mom said it was all, all right for me to call you. And I said, okay. I don't know what he's talking about. He said, uh, I'm a junior in college. And get ready to go back to school. And he said, I asked my mother 
how do I know when I'm in love, Ma? And she handed me your book Ugh. and said, read this. So he said, when I read it, after I read it, he said, I said, I want to call him. And my, his mother said, yeah. She said, go ahead. Now, I think I know who the lady is. I'm really not sure. Uh, and how she got my book, I don't know. But so anyway, I talked to this young man and I thought, wait a minute. He read my book to find out what love is. Maybe I had to go back and read this thing. <laughs> where did I write all this? You know. Uh, so you know, and, and that's that happened. I had another call, the same type of thing about love. So yeah, so the book is about grief, love. So it yeah. all goes together. You know, without one, there isn't the other. Yeah, yeah, it 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 really does, and I think that's why I wanted to also just make sure that we got across that. And you do talk about this very well, that it, it doesn't matter what kind of loss it is. Like it just doesn't. Right. And you're, you're so great at that. You you can definitely tell the first time we ever talked on the phone, I said, wow, I had to call. I was the same way. I had to call you <laughs> because, and I don't call anyone. <laughs> I just feel like I don't get on the phone with anyone. So listen, we're probably not the first to introduce you to the topic of CBD or CBD oil. If you're anything like us, it seems like every time you turn around, you're seeing a neon sign for CBD sold here at your local grocery store, in a window as you're driving by, or it flashes across your screen in an online ad. Shannon's sister told us about the benefits she was having from a brand she was using, and then we started paying attention to that brand. Spoiler alert, that brand is Danodan, Full transparency, we get about two to three CBD brands reaching out to us every week. And it wasn't until we started digging into the research that we learned that CBD isn't always CBD. They're just not all the same. Danadan Hemp Works makes organic hemp flower infusions. They're more than just CBD. Danadan's range of hemp products dissolve easily into any liquid and support your routine by helping you manage daily stress, promote healthy sleep, provide caffeine-free energy, and recover from activity-related stiffness and soreness. They also have CBD hemp flower infusion specifically designed for pets, and Betty White uses it every day. She loves it. We put it on our food. And with Danodan, you'll enjoy all the benefits of legal hemp, not just one or two compounds isolated in a lab. Get 20% off right now with the code ADVENTURE at danodan.com. We'll link it for you in the show notes. That's 20% off right now with the code ADVENTURE at danodan.com. Danodan, more than just CBD. And I called you and I said, I just reading your story and then I listened to you with interviewing with someone else and I said, I, I don't ever feel like someone gets it. I just don't ever feel like someone gets it. And I, I just knew that you got it. You know, loss is loss. It doesn't matter if, if it's your, if someone loves their plant, like it's right. their, you know, their, it's their, how it affects them. It's not, yes. it's not me. It's how it affects them. You yeah. Know? It's not yeah. weighted. It's not, right. you know, and, and, and one of the things I, I read, I, I don't know who said it, but it was, it was someone, I don't know if a therapist said you, this is how you should respond if a pastor said it or whatever, but they said, look, the next time that someone says to you, I don't understand, I I, I don't understand why you're acting like that or why, and, and that you should, and, and now I use it. If someone says, you, I don't understand why you're still, after all, all this time, still grieving, I now use it. And I say, well, you know, thank God you don't, thank God you don't understand. Right. Because I, I think 
that's just the best way to, instead of arguing about it, instead right. of trying to explain it, thank God you don't. Well, you know, you know, and you, I think you saw in the book, the thing that, the things that people said to me after the loss. Yes. Like, oh, it'll get better. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't get better. It, can, yeah. it just gets different. Uh, there was some, there's a quotation, uh, I don't know who said it. Don't let anyone who hasn't been in your shoes tell you how to tie them. Uh, that pretty well explains grief. Uh, when at the funeral home, okay, so you go through the visitation. We had 450 something, and, and I go through it too. And you've probably been there, you get in the line at the funeral home, and you go, Yeah, what am I going to say when I get up there? You know, yeah, uh, you know, it will get better. <laughs> don't say that. Don't say it'll pass with time because it's not going to. Right. The worst, one of the worst ones is, well, at least he or she's not in pain anymore. Ah, uh, folks, don't say uh. that to me because I sat there with her and I, I, you know, yeah, you're right. Because I held her in for three weeks. She was at hospice for three weeks. I said, yeah, but don't, don't say that to me. Yeah. Don't say I understand how you feel because you don't. You don't. <laughs> It's and the at say, least, the at least. I, I don't like the at least. Don't say at least followed by anything. That's right. As, and, followed well, by anything. You, you had her for 59 years. Well, and the worst one, one of the absolute worst ones is, well, God needed her up there more than you needed her down here. That's, you know, that's, that's the yeah. worst thing to say. Yeah. Is please don't ask me, how are you doing? Yeah. I mean, so many people said that. I wanted to say, well, how the hell do you think I spent? <laughs> My wife's over here in this casket. I'm confused. I'm lonely. I I don't know. But what do you say? Oh, I'm okay. I know. So, I so you know, I thought about that a lot because I say I stand in the line. No, no, no. So I started thinking, well, what should you say? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you can say nothing I can say will make it any easier. Mm -hmm. well, that pretty I'm here for you. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm praying for you mm -hmm. and your family. I, I have a little problem with saying I'm praying for you, though. Well, I'm yeah. on Facebook. I am messing around on Facebook a lot. And everybody on there says when something goes, they somebody says something's wrong, then they say I'm praying for you. And you get all little folded hands and you get all line of them. And and you see 60 people do that for somebody. Yeah. Oh, no. How many of those people really I know. pray for you? Yeah. They say it, but do they really do it? Right. Now, if I say it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Okay. If I, so I don't say it, I'm not going to. It also now just seems like a uh, a reaction. Yeah. It, it yeah. just seems like a reaction. It's something you're supposed, supposed to say. To say. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I think one of the best things maybe is just not say anything, just give them a hug. Yeah. A hug says it all. I love you and I'm here for you. Yeah. Oh. And I remember, I don't remember a lot of what people said to me, but I remember how people made me feel. Mm -hmm. I remember this person, this person, this person, and they made me feel so good. Yeah. Uh, not what they said, just being there, just putting their arm around me, just, you know, giving that little hug. So you know, those are the things that, you know, that uh, I think if everybody kind of take that little inventory when you're going to the funeral home and say, these are the things I don't want to say and yeah. just walk up and give the person a hug. They know when you give them that hug, that says, that says I'm here for you. I love you. You know, so. I'll tell you my, my mother-in-law passed away 
my father-in-law was telling my husband and I tell people this now, I, when, when they're like, Oh, wonder what I can do. It seems like everybody's doing something. I, I say, well, let me tell you something that my father-in-law said when my mother-in-law passed away that everyone was around right after like everyone was around, they were supportive. And then a week or two after there was no one and it was quiet and it was lonely. And so I think about that. Been there, think, done that. <laughs> yeah. And so now I think, well, when someone is experiences loss, and not that I want to be overbearing, but now I think, well, if you're going to bring food or you're going to worry if someone is alone and they're eating or whatever, maybe don't do it right after. Or maybe let's let's check and bring on them food a few weeks after. Or let's. So I think about that now. That why do we always react right after? Because everyone is doing that, and then they have food that goes bad, and they have you know all the things that are extra and yeah. then, and then they're lonely, you know? Yeah, one, of the, one of the things we mentioned earlier about people 25, 30 years, you talk to somebody that's in that 30 years, lost her husband. I talked to lost her husband 30 years ago. It is the same feeling as it was 30 years ago. Yeah. So she has the same need. Okay. That she had 30 years ago. Right. And if her friends understand that, you know, that she still had that same need because some of them do too, you know, you yeah. share, you share that. Uh, that's the thing that it, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, so she lost her husband. So he, that was 30 years ago. What the heck, you know, that's 30 years. No, not to her. It's not 30 to you. It's 30 years ago. Yeah. But 30 years ago, you went to the funeral home. You went to the funeral, but she'd been carrying that in her heart for 30 years and it's going to be there until she joins him. Yeah. It's still going to be there. So again, that's what, people need to understand if they're not, if they haven't gone through it again, you don't understand yeah. unless you've been there. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I know that you did the cooking show with Joyce and mm -hmm. now you, you do some cooking with your granddaughter. Right. And my son. Yeah. And your son. That's right. The day that I talked to you, you happened to be, you were doing a dinner party that night. So yeah. it sounds like you still do a lot of cooking. So do you, do you find that that brings you joy? Or do you, does it, is it painful or what is that experience like for you? It's not, it brings me joy. Okay. Yes. Okay. Is it painful? No, it's not painful, but is it, does it bring on some grief things? Yes. But they're also love things. Uh, example. Okay. My wife and I both cook. We're our, if you can see our kitchen, it's a counter and you can sit on this side and the kitchen's over on this side. And we took turns cooking. So if it would be my turn to cook, I'd be over there and she'd be sitting at the counter with a glass of wine and I'd have a glass of wine and we talk. That was our time that 5.30 to 7 o'clock or 6 to 7.30 or whatever it was, that hour, two hours when we cooked and ate and cleaned the dishes. So when I do that now myself, like last night, you know, I, uh, I made myself up. Just tell my son when he came, we share recipes. I just tell my son, I did a chicken breast with a balsamic honey glaze on it that I grilled in the potato and a salad. And the, so as I'm doing that and have my glass of wine, then yeah, I, I get a little but but I have good memories too. They're they're I, I tell the one in the I tell the one in the book about the spring and the turkey. Yeah. Uh our family uh our holidays were always at our house. We had the bigger place and, and my parents were alive and her parents and rock and you know so everybody would come. So we continued that. So the Thanksgiving after she passed away, the kids said, Hey, Dad. You do the turkey. We're going to bring everything else, but we'll come to your house. So I'm standing in that kitchen on Thanksgiving Eve, 
dabbing my glass of wine and I got the bird and I'm doing all the stuff and I'm stuffing it with the fruit and the herbs and everything I put in it. And I take the string and I tie the legs and I need a finger so I can tie the knot. Mm-hmm. And she's not there because she always did it. And I would always say, okay, I need, she put the finger down and then she'd say to me, who helped you tie your Boy Scout knots? And it was always a big joke and we'd laugh. Back one year, I think I said, uh, cute little blonde. I think I got a dish rag to decide that I'm not a good but, but all of a sudden, I'm doing that and didn't even think about us. The minute I pulled that string, tears started to come down. And then I started to laugh. If you'd have walked in my kitchen, you'd have gotten the bag and take me to the funny farm. But <laughs> this guy's totally lost. He's got a dead turkey in front of him with a string and he's laughing and crying. What's this all about? So those are the kind of things that I find out from other people that happen. You know, the yeah. stupid little things. To, but, but to that person, that's really, you know. Yeah. Those are the kind of things. See, that's when I'm going to, I'm going to talk about balloon in a box. Okay. I know. I was going to ask you, okay, could you explain to us about balloon in a box? Somebody told me a long, long time ago, this grief and death and everything was like a ball in a box. Okay. Mm -hmm. When it first happens, that ball touches all six sides. And when it touches all six sides, that's tough because one side's confusion, one side's loneliness, one side's this, one side. And so you're going through all those emotions at the same time. And you're going to hear in the background, my outside, they're weeding my yard. <laughs> uh, so That's life. Uh, so I said, no, you know what? It's more like a balloon in a box. Because when you got a balloon on a string, you want to move it over here, but it doesn't necessarily go with you. So what you have to learn to do is that balloons in that box and you have to learn to control it, to keep it from hitting more than one side at a time. If it hits this side over here and it's a little confusion, you can handle it. It's an area, it's a little loneliness. You can handle it. Can't go down there and hit the corner and have all those happen to you at the same time. You can't handle it. That's what's it. So that's the balloon in the box. Somebody yeah. said to me, well, that may be real easy. Why don't you just let the balloon go or pop the balloon? I said, no, 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 no. That's where all your memories are out yeah. in that balloon. I don't want to lose those. Yeah. I don't want to lose all those memories. Yeah, you'd be right. It'd be easy. Bloom goes and all it goes and you don't have any problem. So, you know, you need to, and I've learned that it still happens. You know, the wind blows the wrong direction a little bit. Sometimes it touches one or two sides at the same time. And I, you know, but if it only touches one, I can handle it. And I tell yeah. people, if you can learn to handle that one thing, if you can learn to handle the anger one time, once in a while, and you can learn to handle this and you can learn, then you're all right. You just don't let it all happen to you at once. That's what makes it bad. Yeah. So that's the balloon in a box. So when I read that, I remember when I was really suffering, thinking, and there's there's a movie about it. I think it's a uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, yeah. where where they erase the memories from the person's mind, and right. so they're not suffering. And I remember at that time thinking, oh, I just wish I could do that. I just wish I could do it because I don't want to suffer anymore. And, and then I, I, you know, and I blogged about this during that time. And then I remember during the blog going, no, I don't, because I I would, I wouldn't remember any of those wonderful things and those wonderful memories I would have. And, and when you, when I read about the balloon, the the story you just told, I was like, that's exactly it. Because you don't want to lose those memories, you you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a weird journey. (laughs) It's a strange journey. It is. Uh, It's an interesting journey. And if you, my wife always, <laughs> you probably said the book there. My wife's favorite saying was, "It is what it is." Yeah. Deal with it. If I had a problem and I didn't complain about, she'd just look me in the eyes and say, "Tom, it is what it is. Put on your big boy pants and deal yeah. with it." How yeah. many times she told the girlfriend over the phone, "You know, put on your big girl panties and deal with it." <laughs> uh, so that's what I finally 
decided, you know, wait a minute. Listen to what Joyce is saying. It is what it is, Tom. Not going to change. So deal with it. Yeah. That's what I had to learn to grab that string and maybe even tie it around my finger so it doesn't, you know, get the where I want it to go. Um, See, the other thing is, is that, and I said at the beginning, is God's there. Well, it first happened, I was mad at God, and I didn't want to to think about it that way. You know, I didn't want to think about God. But, you know, a little while later, you know, a few months later, why I thought, God, I I do need you. (laughs) I need somebody. I need my help. So I, there's a, I'm on a grief committee at the uh, church, and there's a whole bunch of prayers you always give people. And we've been giving them to these people. So I thought, where are those? So I get them out. And I read them and I went, yeah, okay. They, they're really nice, flowerly, poetic things. But do they really say what I wanted to say? What I want to say? Right. Do you mind if I read my prayer? No, I would love that. So I thought, I've got to write a prayer. Now, I didn't pay attention in English class like I should have. And, you know, that's so, so I'm not really a writer. These are my words. You notice in there, I didn't use any words that I couldn't spell. <laughs> I can't spell it. I didn't use it. Uh, but so this is my prayer. My prayer is called, give me strength. I said, hey, God, you took my loved one. And I don't understand why. She was a very good person. Always ready to help those in need. She was a very devout Catholic, much better than I. Why didn't she take me and leave here, her here to continue the good? Oh, wait a minute. I think I understand. You want me to take over and be a good person like her? Not sure I can do it without her strength. You're saying it is what it is. Deal with it. Okay. But please help me. God, give me the strength. Amen. So that's my prayer, I say. So I think... And I talked to some other people. I have had people tell me after they read the book and we talked, hey, I wrote a prayer. I like to hear it. Tell me your prayer. And they did, and they're the same kind of thing. They yeah. say what's really here, not what somebody else wrote, where somebody wrote, I bring the pain of my loneliness, sharp edges of sadness. No, that's not my language. And that's yeah. not most people's language. Most people pretty straightforward, maybe say like, it the way that you that the they way call. that you really feel it. Say that, say it that way. And actually, I uh, I go to mass on Saturday night. And I take this book with me and I read that prayer. Actually, I read the other ones too, but I read that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so that helped, that helped me with the string and the balloon and my little prayer helped me to do it because uh, I, <laughs> you women. Okay. I'm going to play you women. <laughs> now the, she died on a Monday, the Thursday night before she died. Uh, my granddaughters are great got a great voice she sings she was in all kinds of theater stuff and everything and one thing Joyce had said to me one night was oh I'm not going to get to hear Amanda sing again well I would stay overnight at the hospital and the kids would come and relieve me at four o'clock so I could go home shower get something to eat and come back so this Thursday night I went back and they left and she took my hand she was very lucid this night she said Amanda gave me a concert she said in fact she gave a concert for the whole wing down here that she had you know all the people standing outside the door and then she said I don't know how many songs say whatever so at eight o'clock or 8 30 they turn the lights down in the hospital you know and everything gets quiet she held my hand we talked about a lot of things she told me there was a green bag in the closet and that's what was supposed to go at the funeral home she didn't want videos and all the pictures of 
60 years hanging on the wall, just that. What was in there was copies of our cookbook and a couple of the newspaper articles about us doing that together. Anyway, she said, I love you. I'll see you in church. I said, oh. just like a woman has to, she could have just stopped if I love you. <laughs> she had to give me something to do, right? That's the way you got, you women are. You got, got you just can't leave it alone. You got to give it something to do, you know. Or, or it's not a complete sentence unless you have at the end, you need to do this. I'll see you at church. Okay. Uh, well, I have a question and I, I, I didn't see this in the book and I've been wondering this. I know that Dr. Lewis right. passed away. Yes. Did he know that your book got published? Like that you finished it or that you finished it? He knew that I had finished it basically, but he didn't okay. know that it had been printed. And he because had seen he was the one that encouraged you to do he it. He had seen a, 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 a digital copy of it when I was proofing it. He he read he so he got to read it. Maybe okay, not good. in its final form, but he got to read it. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. When I saw at the end that he passed away, I was like, Oh no, like yeah. did he know? Okay, yeah. I was oh yeah, about two weeks uh in March, a couple weeks before his birthday. So uh anyhow, yeah. so yeah. On a fun, a fun note is go through our fast five questions, which is our little, just a little bit of okay. light stuff to get to know you a little bit. Okay. It's kind of a this or that. So number one is, do you prefer sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Okay. Number two, coffee or wine? Oh, wine. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's a trick question now. <laughs> okay. Number three, dine al fresco or indoors? Ooh, al fresco. Uh huh. I figured because by the time I was talking to you on the phone, you were getting your decorating and all that. And I was like, is he going to be dining outside tonight or what's yeah, we the did. deal? Yeah, we did. Okay. Okay. Number four cooking for guests in your home or dining in a restaurant with friends? Oh, cooking with guests at home. Yeah, I figure. A lot more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And number five, my husband, Jerry, thinks that this is the way to get to know someone. Like, the way. Ketchup or mustard? Mustard. I, yeah. Yeah. And I, I always say, it's well, then sin, what does that mean? It's a sin to put ketchup on a hot dog. It's mustard on a hot dog. I know. I know. I agree. And the, the question that we ask everyone, the most important question, is what does a life well-lived mean to you? Ooh. Having, when you pass away. Everybody's saying he was always a kind person. He was kind to me. He was kind to people. Uh, I think that's the most important. If yeah. we all if we're all that way, then that's fine. You know, don't have to give him money. Don't have to just just be kind. Just say yeah. a kind kind word, particularly when somebody needs a kind word. Yeah. Well, so, you know, you said that the book would be a success if you help just one person coping with their grief, and I'll just I know that you have. I know that this is helped me. I'm one for sure. Thank you. It's a success. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for making it. my book a success. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I appreciate you being here. And I would love it if you could tell our audience how they can purchase Balloon in a Box if they desire to do that. Okay. Just go to www.thomaslrose.com. Thomas, okay. T-H-O-M-A-S-L-R-O-S-E.com. Okay. And we're going to put that in the show notes so that they can have access to that. I also um, put my phone number there that you have, if you want, they can call me too. So yeah, which I think is amazing because you have that on your website. And I think if that's they amazing. like to talk, call me and talk with talk like yeah. this. <laughs> you know. I thank you so much for being here. This was so good for my heart. I appreciate your time. It was just wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shannon. 
have a good day. Well, I mean, Jerry, you weren't here for the episode, but you have now watched it, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You know, for those of you who don't know when Jer is not able to be here for an episode, and we may have mentioned this on a, a few, but he comes back and he watches the audio of it. He gets the full take so that he can kind of, you know, get, get the full scope and then be able to comment on, on it. We also liked for him to sort of take part that way. And, you know, you did have some takeaways during it, but now you can sort of comment on some of your takeaways. Oh yeah. It was just, um, I was, I would think I was taken in right away with, with Tom, he just very warm person. And, uh, it was a little bit different than some of the, a lot of our typical episodes. And, uh, you know, gosh, really, really tug at your heartstrings. A lot of the things he said, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he. I, I might. I think I might have told you when I, I called you when the episode was over. We were done recording, and I was telling you, you know, I, I think I cried about three or four times during the episode. Good yeah. crying, mm -hmm. but it was just such a warm episode and resonated in so many ways, of course, with me. And I, I know I said how this book is such a great resource, but if you're someone who I think almost everyone has gone through grief and of some way, if you know that feeling, especially what Tom was talking about, uh, everyone feels it different ways, but the way he was talking about, you know, um, it, the way he described was, you know, being kicked in the chest. And me, I, 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 what I hear from a lot of people is that, you know, when you're experiencing grief, the world goes on and you just don't understand how it continues to go on. And, you know, everyone experiences it their own way. But I think that one thing that resonates is that everyone is sort of looking for help. They're looking for an answer. They're looking for a resource. And one of the things that I struggled with, especially during my grief journey and still do is a, a really good resource that's not clinical and taking it from someone who understands. And this fills that hole for me. It's just such a great resource. Well, yeah. And I was really, as much as I thought, oh, this is, could be great for anybody. I could see specifically where it was really good for you. And that made me feel good. Oh, oh yeah. That's sweet. Uh huh. I, I know I told you uh, on the phone that he reminds me of your dad a little. Yeah. And I noticed that actually right away. Um, well, yeah, in character and also in kind of his, his look, I thought if you take away the beard and glasses, it looks a little like my dad. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I didn't really get into details about this during the show so much, but when I read just a snippet of, of his story and that he had written this book and went to his website, and then I, I clicked on another interview he had done with someone and just, I can't even explain it. I don't, I don't pick up the phone and call anyone other than my mom and, you know, a little bit of family, but mm -hmm. I don't pick up the phone and call anybody else. And I saw his phone number was on his website. And that's what we talk about in the episode, how he welcomes calls. No one does that, by the way. And I called him and I couldn't believe I called him and he answered and I just told him, you know. Tom, I, I just read your, the snippet about what you've written. And I, at that point, hadn't even read the book and I just felt like he got it. He just got it. And I've blogged about this. I've talked about this in, um, podcasts, you know, about mental health, about pet loss, about grief, that the biggest issue for me was people not getting it. and. Tom gets it. 
And I think that's why he is such a great support for other people. I think that's why he um, is a great speaker about grief. And that's why people are drawn to him and know that he understands their plight and understands um, that he's genuine, you know, and that, and then, then I read the book Mm -hmm. and then I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a great book. You know, I wish I would have had it a few years ago, but I am glad that I have it now. Well, yeah. And I think, I think he's the voice you maybe been looking for, for, for about five, five years now. And yeah, genuine and, and, down to earth. I mean, you're immediately comfortable with this guy. And uh, he's such a really neat sort of down to earth, small town, Indiana boy that's lived in his <laughs> same area his whole life. It's like he jumped right out of a John Mellencamp song, you know? <laughs> he's, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was really lovely. And um, the night I called him or the, he, he was actually preparing to uh, cook dinner for some friends to come over and Oh gosh, it was just lovely. And he was having eggplant, which you know we love grilled yeah, eggplant because yeah, you grill it so right. well. And uh-huh. oh, it was just, it was just lovely. Everything clicked. It yeah. just clicked. We had such Every, great synergy. Everything lined up. It yeah. did. Mm-hmm. It did. So anyway, I just did. I also wanted to point out that there's this quote at the end of his book that says, "Look, you didn't ask for my opinion, but I'm old, so I'm giving it anyway." And it's Sophia from the Golden Girls. Yeah. Estelle Getty. And you know, we're Once big. again, it's all lining up. Right? Mm-hmm. We're big Golden Girls fans, of course. And so when I read that at the end of the book, and he's just kind of saying, look, um, you know, I, nobody asked for my opinion. I'm, I'm just giving it and hopefully it helps. And I did mean it at the end when I said, you know, he does. He did say that if it was a success, if it helped one person and it did help me. And I know it helped other people. It has helped other people. So. If this episode resonated with you, or if you know of someone who would benefit from having a resource like Tom's book, Balloon in a Box, please share this episode or click the link in the show notes where you can find his book. I know that there are a lot of groups and support groups who may think, oh my gosh, this would be a great book for me to find our grief support group. And yes, you should definitely get it for your grief support group. I think anyone that you think struggling and you think, oh, I wonder if this would be beneficial for them. Absolutely. You know, we talked about uh, things that you should say and shouldn't say for someone who is grieving. Well, guess what? Why don't you just give them this book? That way you don't even have to worry about the right things to say. You can just give them this book because I promise you it's the right thing to do. And it's really important for anyone who is grieving to know about resources like this. Absolutely. Well put. As always, you can find us at arneradventures.com on Instagram at arneradventures, also linked in the show notes. So until next time, enjoy the journey that you're on. We're wishing you lots of adventures. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>